Ron and Anian. You know, repair shops are in business to make money, contrary to what people think. And they're entitled to make money. That's what it's all about. The Car Doctor. All mechanics are crooks, and I've decided to come back and give you another chance. Hopefully you don't rip me off as bad as you ripped me off the last time. Well, hey, that really just, you know, that just makes me really want to jump right in with both feet. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie and the car doctor here at the helm, 855-560-9900. I wonder, do I open the show every week saying the same? I guess I do. It's here at the helm, but that's okay, because that way you know it's me, because after all, I'm so, I guess I sound just like everybody else. Nah, not really. Anyway, this is The Car Doctor. I am Ron Ananian. The website's cardoctorshow.com if you're looking for more information and you want to maybe take podcasts or just read about us and things like that. You can also find links there for TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, and get out there and take podcasts from them so we make it easy for you to transport the car doctor around with you, sort of like a mechanic in your MP3 player. And also keep in mind that Google Play also offers the car doctor on podcast, so you can take the show that way and uh, take it with and listen to it as you see fit. If you need me during the week, ron at cardoctorshow.com. If you're new to this radio show, and uh, we've got a couple of new affiliates in this week, I understand. Um, let me just point out, let me just point out that, you know, this is something, and I, I think Harry explains it best, my producer, when he tells people, they say, so what's the car doctor like? And I hear, I'll use his story. He says, you know, Ron is one of the few, if not the only one, that is still working on cars at this point. Excuse in me. Yes, he, sir. He wanted me to correct you. It's yeah. not Harry. It's Fast Harry. Oh, is it Fast Harry? I'm yes. sorry. Well, I just, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to offend the help, um, you know, the hire. So, uh, but um, he is right. He is Fast Harry. And as Fast Harry explains it, he says, you know, one of the things Ron has over the other guys on radio is he's an ASE certified master tech, and he's still working on cars at his age. I'm not sure what he means by the his age crack. I'll have to ask him about that. But maybe that's the shot for not calling him Fast Harry. So, But um, I'm here to answer your questions, and that's what this radio show is all about, bottom line. I see cars each and every week in the shop, and we talk about it from time to time up here, and that's really how I try to explain to you what I see in my perspective of the universe. Had a couple of cars in this week, and... I think the way this conversation should start is auto repair is a tough business. It really is. And I get it. You guys think it's expensive, and I understand all that. But it's really more along the lines of what it does to the technicians working on the car, the real technicians, the guys that are trying. You know, I think of the words courage. I think of the words conviction. I, I think of the word responsibility. All words that come into my mind as I'm going through the course of the week trying to deal with the problem cars. And each car seems to be a unique problem, the headaches anyway. Had a 2004 Chevy Impala. We've been talking about this car for three weeks now, you and I, if you're a regular listener to this show. And the air conditioning issue, and I think it's fixed and it seems okay. And then two days later, it starts up again. And I fixed it this week. I know it's fixed. 
And I might have even told you this story. I don't remember. I've, I feel like I've been working on this car for seven years. It's uh, It's been a while, it seems. This is the car that, if you remember, had an air conditioning condenser leak. The front of the condenser had, uh, you could see the stains on it. It was clear as a nose on your face that it needed a condenser. And as a matter of recourse, I put a dryer in it because of the age. And I also put a pressure cycling switch, which on this particular car is a combination cycling switch and pressure sensor. And the car was never the same. The air conditioning was always goofy. It always did funny things. It would work great for two days, and the next day it wouldn't turn the compressor on at all. And or it would rapidly cycle the compressor, and then all of a sudden, all by itself, for no rhyme or reason, it would fix itself and work correctly. I spent a day working on this car, trying to get it to act up. And it came down to where it didn't make any sense. It just it was always fine. The one thing that I noticed, the absolute one thing, was with mechanical gauges hooked up to the air conditioning system, I saw high side pressure at 225 and the high side reading on the scan tool was 405. That will shut off the compressor because it's a high side cutout. It thinks the cooling fans have quit and it becomes an issue. Now, if you remember, I had installed AC Delco parts in this car, put two Delco switches in it. Neither one of them worked, and I can say that honestly now because I put an aftermarket replacement in a piece from Four Seasons, not a bad product, and I've got to say in this point, a great product. It worked. I put a Four Seasons air conditioning switch in it. The car's fixed. I've talked to the customer every other day for the past six days. Dan tells me every time, yeah, the car's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. All resolved. Courage and conviction. I keep thinking of those words. How do you take out a factory part, a part with a brand name, a quality name like Delco, and convince yourself that it's bad, and then put a replacement in hoping it's fixed? Had an 09 Lincoln Town Car in with an air conditioning issue. Went through it. Motorcraft parts. Motorcraft dryer, motorcraft orifice tube, a couple other things. The next day came back in. Air conditioning system wasn't working. It was bone dry. The system was empty. It had leaked, which is what the first receiver dryer had done, but so had this one. And after some diagnosis, this was a little easier to have the courage and the conviction to replace it because the green dye that the oil left behind was all over it. So I knew I had a leaking brand new OE level Motocraft receiver dryer. The welds weren't done properly. About midweek this week, Amy came in with her Chrysler Town and Country. Amy's a new regular customer, so to speak. And she had a trans leak. And this is what really led Amy to us. She had been going to one of the local Chrysler dealers, and they couldn't repair a leak in the transmission. And they tried once or twice, twice or three times, something like that. And it just always seeped. We sat down. We took it apart. Looked at it. How could it be? And this is an RTV seal. This is sort of idiot proof. You can't, you really can't make this mistake. If you put enough RTV on the pan, if you clean the surface, you bolt it up. It's not in a hard spot. It's sort of mindless. You just end up with a trans that leaks. Took it all apart. Cleaned everything. Beat sealed it, put it together. It works. Courage and conviction. I keep thinking of those words. You know, y- you think that the the dealer that's supposed to be perfect every time in, in the minds of everybody, because everybody runs to the dealer, not that the dealers are all bad, but just a repair shop is only as good as the people inside and their courage and conviction and sense of responsibility. And then I got to the 
I don't know. P.S. de resistance. A little bad of the people of France for the week they've had. I'm sorry. 2010 Ford Fusion. The local Ford dealer had worked on it. They couldn't hear the noise. This car had a whine in it that sounded like a 48-car freight train coming downhill at a four-degree grade on a wet morning, and they hit the brakes, and the thing shrieked its way into the station two miles out. It didn't stop. It just, the whole way. Dealer can't hear that. The technician couldn't hear that. They couldn't hear the bad left front tire that was so badly scalloped, it was like the porcupine of tires. All right? Cloppity, 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 clop. Told Bill. I, 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 Bill, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to take the belt off. I took the belt off. The noise went away. This is where it got interesting. Well, the tire I knew, but the, the, the whine, the shriek. With the noise gone, started the car up, nothing, quiet. Okay, so I know it's one of the five pulleys. It could be the idler, the tensioner. The alternator, the power steering, the water pump, I lied, six, or the AC. The AC spun quiet. The power steering, I'm sorry, it didn't have power steering. It was electric power steering. The water pump spun quiet. The alternator spun quiet. Okay, now what do I do? Now, wait a minute. I I would have bet money this was the alternator, but yet it spins free and easy. Then I put the belt back on, started up. Sure enough, that wine, I'm telling you, it's it's coming out of that alternator, Ron. I know it is. I'm thinking to myself, like, just put an alternator on it. How can I prove it? Fortunately, Ford puts the test plug on all their alternators. When you think you're having a charging system issue, you may know it as the regulator connector. If you unplug the voltage regulator and start the car with the system not charging, the noise was gone. So it had to be something internal in the way the alternator charged. Put an alternator on it, and this was interesting, and I keep thinking of those words, courage, conviction, responsibility. This was interesting. Couldn't get a rebuilt or remanufactured alternator out of Motocraft. All they had available was new. And when I inquired, because the price difference was almost double, the reman alternator was 200 the New alternator was 450 or 420 something like that. When I inquired as to why, well, because the remands don't seem to hold up and the new ones seem to take the beating. Put the alternator in the car, the car is fixed. Long story short, although this story is getting longer by the minute. Said to the customer, you know, it's fixed, it's quiet. And he went for a ride and Bill came back and he says, yeah, Ron, it's quiet, you're right. I said, I'm wondering for how long. I mean, I put in the best part I could get. I can't get any better than the manufacturer. But I just wonder, is there something with electric power steering? Is there something with a high current draw on this car? Because Bill also said as he drove the car, he noticed something, a smell, something burning, which I never got. Courage and conviction, responsibility. You know, someone once told me that if you want to get ahead in life, be sure you're right, then go ahead. And sometimes I think the reply to that is sometimes when diagnosing a car, Be sure you're right, then go ahead, but always be mindful of what you don't see because what you don't see will hurt you when it comes to fixing a car, and you have to be careful where you step. It is like a minefield out there. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Yep, that's me. I'm the guy that fixes cars on radio. I love answering that question. People come in the shop and they go, 
Um, is the guy that fixes cars on radio here? No, sir. Uh, but he'll be here tomorrow at about 6.30. And they go, gee, you sound like him. And then they, I smile and then they get it. They, you know, they walk in. They don't expect they see Ron on the shirt. Are you Ron? No, I'm Fred. I'm just wearing Ron's shirt. Anyway, 855-560-9900. The phone bank's lit up. Let me pull over and take a pause. When the car doctor returns, we'll open the garage doors. Don't go away. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and Lincolns was setting the pace? That story is true, I'm here to say. I was driving that Model A. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. Hey, Ron and the car doctor. I get around, too, at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Fixing cars today, two for a nickel or one for free, whatever your case might be. Let's go over and talk to Dennis Durham, Maine, 2014 Hyundai. Dennis, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Dennis, How are you doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, thanks. Uh, I have a two Well, you already know that. Uh, about a year ago, I went on a trip. My gas mileage... Uh, dropped about 10 miles a gallon. Okay. When I got back, when I get back, I went to the Honda garage. They told me nothing was wrong. Right. Uh, I, I fought with them for almost a year. Finally, the check engine light came on. I called them. They told me it was probably the gas cap. Uh, and they said, uh, if the light goes off before your appointment, call us. We'll cancel it. So three days later, before my appointment, the light went off. I called them, cancel it. Two days later, the check engine light comes back on. I call them again. They told me they couldn't take me for about 10 days. I went up to uh, AutoZone. They tested it. They said, your O2 sensor is gone. Now, my question to you, if my O2 sensor was gone, uh, why wouldn't the check engine light come on? That's a fair question. It should. First of all, I don't I don't consider AutoZone an authority. All right, all all AutoZone does is they have a bunch of people that just plug in a scan tool and they read out a code. I can tell you more than a few cases of K of cars that have a particular fault code that don't necessarily mean the circuit dictated by the code is actually at fault. It's caused by something else. So it could have a P zero one thirty five bank bank one downstream O two is bad. But it could be something else. It could be an exhaust leak. It could be a software update. It could be a PCM problem. There's a bunch of things it can be. And I'm not saying it's not in your case, but just that's not a diagnosis. A diagnosis involves steps. A diagnosis involves some sort of methodical, organized approach to the problem. All right? That being said, who is who is putting you off, the dealer or an independent repair shop? No, no, the dealer. Okay. I, my, my, ex, my exhaust pipe. It was all black. I I hauled the plugs out. They're completely carbon up. Uh, when I called them back and told them that uh, what AutoZone has said, they took the car and tested it, and uh, they said the O2 sensor was gone. They had the auto one. Right. It took another week and finally uh, put it back in, and my gas mileage comes back. Right. So... So for a year, I believe my O2 sensor was gone. It had to have been because I took a 10-mile-a-gallon hit in the gas sure. mileage, or, and they keep telling me nothing is wrong. Or 
or, and this is another perspective, it's not that it was bad, it was borderline. Understand there's an operating spec to an oxygen sensor like a lot of sensors on a car. When you get sick, Dennis, do you go from being healthy to sick overnight, or do you kind of take your time? First you get the sniffles, then you get the cough, and three days later all of a sudden you don't feel good, you got the fever. You know, right. it's, it's a gradual thing, right? Same thing with a car. Yeah. Might be a little bit different. Might It's a mechanical device. It's an electronic device. But bottom line, my opinion, and I'll give you my opinion, I think the dealer's wrong. I think any any repair shop, I don't want to keep saying the word dealer, any repair shop that can't accommodate a customer to scan a check engine light while that light is either on or it went off within the last 36 hours, I think they've got to, I think they've got to revise their plan. I think they've got to take another look at it. Would I do it for just anybody? No. But a regular customer, and in my mind, if you bought a car from them, you're a regular customer. At the very least, there's got to be a way for them to set up some sort of a door scan, driveway scan, buy the, you know, something quick and simple. Let's do a code scan. Let's see what's here. They're obligated to it. If nothing else, it would make you feel good about it and make you want to come back and buy another car. Am I right or wrong? Right. 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 Well, I already told them I wasn't buying another one. Bingo. And that's that's the problem. I asked them to put it on the diagnostic, and they told me their computer was down. They couldn't do it, which I knew was a lie. Right. Yeah. I. You know, it's it's, it's funny. And I, I keep saying it, and I keep getting proof of it, and this is proof of it. A repair shop is only as good as the people that are inside in those uniforms doing the job. It's 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 how I open this first hour, right? Or this hour here, right? Courage, conviction, responsibility. You know, it's it's you gotta want to fix the cars. I love what I do, I really do, and I feel bad for somebody that doesn't enjoy their job. I don't work for a living; I fix cars. And in a case like this, number one, the O2 sensor. I bet you the O2 sensor was under warranty, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, and 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 here's the real corker. All right, and this will really get you going. I shouldn't tell you this. This will get your juices really flowing. That year that it ran rich and created the problems, you wonder what it did to the engine itself because it ran so rich it fouled the plugs, coked the exhaust. How bad did it beat up the engine oil? And what sort of contamination did that that happen that, that occurred to that? And did you shorten the life of the engine somehow? And for the simple lack of, we can't scan your car, which is baloney, because it'll be in history, they created more of a problem than they needed to. Dennis, I feel for you, brother. Let me know how it goes after that. I'm on an Indian the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Barbara, Sebring, Florida. Barbara, you're waiting there so patiently. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. How can I help you? Barbara. Yes, sir. How are you? Good, ma'am. How are you? Fine. I have a, uh, I think it's a 1999 Mercury Sebring. Okay. The, the key, at times, when I turn it off, I cannot get it out of the ignition. Okay. I... Um, when I do get it out, um, I use a spray, lock ease in it. And sometimes it works okay, and then it's, after a while it starts again. What's the problem, please? Do you, have, do you have another key, Barbara? Yeah. Does the problem happen with either key? 
if you use the other key, does the problem still happen? Well, no, no, no. When I don't get it out, I... Oh, I never tried the other key. Right. When I don't get it out, I leave it in there, and I have another key. I can lock the door. Right. Yeah. See that 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 doesn't matter, Mike. What I'm thinking is one of two things is worn. Either it's the key you're using is bad, or it's the lock cylinder that's mounted in the steering column. So if you use the other key, if the other key, and and look at the key, compare the two keys together. Look at them. If one yeah. looks if one looks worn, and typically what happens is somebody uses one key for the life of the car, and then the, the, the other key, which is new, has been sitting in the drawer, all of a sudden one's got sharp, defined areas, and the other one's beat up and worn. Changing keys may make all the difference in the world. And then if that's the case, oh. if, if using the other key solves the problem, now you've got to get a key made. But one cautionary note, if it, yeah. if it turns out to be a key... This vehicle has anti-theft, and you will need to take it to a, a garage that can learn and code, C-O-D-E, code the key to match the security system of the vehicle. It's not difficult, but it requires some specialized tooling in order for it to be done. It's not as simple as just making the mechanical key. The key also has to electronically be set to the car. If, if the key is not the fault then it's more than likely the lock tumbler and you should get it replaced and not count on spraying anything in there because at some point it's not going to work and i don't want to see the car get disabled and stuck somewhere where you've got an issue that you can't start at all now you have to get it towed because of that all right dear good luck to you and thank you for calling we appreciate you being a car doctor listener let's get over to liebert in fort republic 2011 chevy traverse and some questions about an airbag light yes liebert how can i help Yes, um, like I said, 2011 Chevy Converse. Yes, sir. I'm showing an airbag light coming on from time to time. So it'll be sometimes four or five days won't come on, then it'll come on, stay on for a while. Okay. Has anybody scanned this at all for faults? Uh, no. Okay. Um, airbags are kind of a neat thing. I like fixing airbag problems because they're always right here and now. They're instantaneous. And an airbag system, I always know an airbag system is fixed because after I re- make my repair... If I clear the code and the light stays out, it's it's done. It always gives me a great right. feeling of confidence. If, if if there's something else, it'll occur right away. An airbag is an instant thing, and they make it that way specifically because imagine the liability involved in, hey, Liebert, I fixed your airbag system. You go out, God forbid, get into an accident. You need that airbag. They've, they've, we've got to know right away whether or not it's working, period. That being said, there is a recall on this particular car, 2011 Traverse, and it actually extends to the same like-kind models that GM has, the Enclave from Buick, the Acadia from GMC, and the Saturn Outlook. There's a bunch of these that have open recalls for problems with the side impact airbags and the seatbelt pretensioners in either the driver or passenger front seat. Yes, and we've had both of them done. You've had them done? Yes. Okay. It seems to be in the front driver's seat. You can wiggle around and it go off. All right. Then perhaps, how long ago was the recall done? Recently? Uh, about a month ago. All right. Then I would take it back to the dealer and point it out to them. And this is the way I want you to say it, all right? Do you, do you go okay. to the dealer on a regular basis? Are they your repair facility? Do they take care of yes. the vehicle? Okay. So yes. you, you kind of got a relationship with this guy, right? Yes. Okay. 
So you're going to go up to him and give him the old, you know, I know you hate to hear this, and I hate to say it speech, but ever since, <laughs> okay, okay? Uh, you know, and that's a that's a tough road to hoe in a repair shop. Ever since, that's right. like that's like that mysterious kid in the house. You know, I don't know. You know, who who drank the milk? I don't know. You, you know, it's um, ever since they all moved out. We now know I don't know doesn't live here anymore. So, exactly. uh, you know, it's I would go to the back to them and say, I know this is hard for you to understand, but ever since, is there a chance this is related to the work that was done? At least they can scan it for codes and come back to you. It's got to be in the seat, obviously, if wiggling it clear cut turns the light out. Right. There's not too many components there. There's the side airbag, there's a sensor, and there's some connectors. It's they got yeah, that's they, the problem. They 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 got a they got a two out of three chance that it's them and a one out of three chance that it's not. So I say the odds are in your favor. It's them, not you. Yeah, it seems like every time I go to take it there, the light goes off. Right. Well, and keep in mind there should be something in history. Okay. All right. So I would by all means make them aware of it, and you know I would put it back on them. You know, listen. All right. The, the liability is here, guys. You fixed my airbag. If I get into an accident, if 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 there's a Mrs. Liebert, if she gets into an accident and something happens to her, do you want to assume that reliability? Don't you think it's worth taking a look? All right. Thank you. All right, sir? That's good. All right. You let me know what happens. I'm here for you, babe. All right. Thank you, Ralph. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Let's get over and talk to Franklin up in Hadley, Mass., 2003 Pontiac Vibe. Franklin, Ron and Andy in the car doctor at your service, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yeah, yes, I sir. just picked up a uh, 2003 Pontiac Vibe. Okay. And... Uh, Soon after the check engine light came on, got it inspected, and it failed emissions, of course. Right. And the uh, guy who inspected it said, well, you got two choices. You can either get it fixed, or you can do this thing, you know, unplug the battery overnight, keep the tank full, run it for 200 miles, and bring it back. It should pass. And he kind of rolled his eyes. It's not going to cause any more global warming, and it won't hurt your car. It's just a little bit of a hassle. Right. And... I wasn't so sure about that, so I took it to a state-registered emissions specialist here, and they said, yeah, it's the uh, charcoal canister that needs to be replaced. Yep. And wondering who to listen to here. I like I like mechanic B. I like the second guy, and, and I'll tell you why, all right? It's not that I want to spend your money or anybody else's. First of all, driving a car with a check engine light on, so you know right now today on this particular date and time, that it's got a P0446, right? Right. Two weeks from today, when it sets another fault code, and you won't know if it did or didn't, how will you, how will you know? If, if another fault occurs, the light's already on. Yeah, unless I get it scanned every day, I guess. Right. right? And, and the other thing we're teaching you to do, um, let me explain it to you this way. Do you have any kids, Hadley? Franklin, I'm sorry. No. Do you have any? You, you know, or, or, or nieces, would you teach somebody to drive and tell them, hey, the temperature gauge doesn't work, it says overheat, just keep driving the car, don't worry about it. Would you, would, you, would you encourage them to drive a vehicle like that? No, I don't think I would. Because when it overheats, how would you know? When this, right. car, when this car gets another problem, how will you know? And all you're doing is creating a bigger issue. I got to tell you, the first guy that said that, I don't like to say this word on radio, so my engineer is going to wince, but he's an idiot. Uh-huh. All right, he's, he's he's looking at this thing completely wrong. Either let's fix it right and and get it on the road, or let's not fix it. It's not a matter of global warming. It's more a matter of your safety and the reliability of the vehicle. Right. 
you know, and that's really what it's all about. So I would say let's go with mechanic B. Uh, it sounds reasonable that it could be a canister. They were very, very common, probably the number one repair on those vehicles. And then at least you've got some confidence as to what's going on. There's nothing better, in my mind, than getting in a car on a snowy day, blizzard, bad road conditions, driving in a car that's got good tires, good pressure, no dashboard lights on, runs good, feels good, heat works. It gives you a sense of confidence. Yeah, I'd like to try that sometime. Yeah, you know, well, that's here's your opportunity, babe. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's how I started the hour today. Courage, conviction, responsibility. That's all part of auto repair. That first guy didn't have any of it. Gotcha. All right, sir. Now, yeah. interesting thing, I was pricing out the parts and noticed that the all-wheel drive canisters are cheaper than the front-wheel drive. Probably probably because they produced more of them and they're, oh. and they're in greater numbers. That's Good. like that's like. Do you know it costs the tire companies more money to make a black wall tire than a white wall tire? No. Yeah, because all tires are white walls. They put a black coating over the white wall to hide it to make it a black wall. If that tire is available in two models, if there's a white wall version of whatever the tire is that we're talking about for conversation's sake, it's always it always costs them more money to make it as a black wall than a white wall. That's the way my tire guy explains it to me. Franklin, I'm running late. I got to go. But listen, you get that fixed, and I appreciate the call, sir. Good luck to you and yours. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Why don't I the car doctor? Let's see what's going on with Michael out in Wisconsin with a 2002 Honda CRV. Michael, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi. How are you sir. doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Well, I, I, I took my uh, 2002 CRV in to uh, my mechanic um, because I, I had a left rear uh, brake hanging up, and uh, I noticed it when I got to the golf course, uh, stepped out of the vehicle, and lots of smoke. Okay. And that distinctive uh, brake smell. Took it into my mechanic. Uh, he replaced the uh, rear brake pads, calipers, uh, brake hoses, led the system. I took the uh, took the vehicle home and uh, got to a stop sign. Just noticed that uh, when I when I pushed on the brake pedal, it just felt kind of mushy. Okay. Pushed a little bit more, and it went all the way to the floor. Next morning, I took it back to the mechanic, and uh, he said, well, I owe it to you, try to figure it out, uh, put a new acid cylinder on, bled the system, same thing. If you push a little hard, it went all the way to the floor. Okay. So, but it, it, it stops great. It, it's not like it's a, you know, it's a stopping problem, but... Uh, if you're at a stop sign or a stop light and, you know, you're stopped, you're fine. It doesn't creep forward unless you put some more moderate pressure on the pedal. It goes all the way down. All right. Well, if, if you can wiggle the master down, uh, you know, let me say, like, if you can wiggle the master down at, at a stop sign, Michael, 
Um, yes. I would just want to be sure we don't have a leak somewhere because it sure sounds like it. All right. It 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 shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to push it to the floor. Are you you know you're physically on the floor, or is it that you're overriding? And this is a feel thing. It's a non it's a non technical term. I call it the gush of the booster. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, booster gush is 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 the Ron term where booster gush is that moment where you can override the spring in the diaphragm of the brake booster and uh, physically overcompensate and push the pedal down further than it you normally would so you know you'd have to say that to your mechanic could this be the booster is that what I'm feeling but let me back up a second the car had a stuck caliper all right yeah Usually that doesn't happen overnight. Usually that comes on for a while. So the typical scenario becomes, this is a four-wheel disc brake car, correct? You said calipers in the back? Yes. So the caliper gets stuck, and it doesn't adjust as quick as it should, and it alters the pedal feel. So now that you've got two calipers on that actually move, it changes the way the pedal feels, all right? It's a different perceived where the pedal actually compensates and hits. Now, in reality, a stuck caliper should produce a worse pedal, all right, because you'd have to, if the caliper's stuck in a fixed position and you step on the brake, the piston comes out, you've got to hit the pedal twice to get it to take up the distance that normally it would have to take up if the caliper was in the proper position. But I have had occasion where moderately stuck calipers don't respond as well, and they give an impression of a better than actual or normal pedal. That being said, I just want to explain why it may be different. That being said, I want to tell you how I think you're going to fix it. All right? Number one, I want to be absolutely certain there's no leaks in this car. Absolutely certain. Okay? Uh, Number one. Number two, I want to be sure the master is bled properly. I wonder if he bench bled the master, or did he bleed it on the car? Okay. I don't know that. All right. My next question would be, if he can come up with a plug that would go in the place of where the brake lines go, plug off the master. Just put the master on the car without any brake lines connected, but put plugs in the ports. Step on the pedal. Does he still have the same gushy pedal that he's got now? If he does, he's still got a bad master. I'll tell you what, Michael, sit tight. Let me pull over and take this pause. I don't want to rush this. When I come back, we'll finish up running any in the car, Doctor. Don't go away. There's night in New York City Smoke like water runs inside Hey, welcome back. I'm the car doctor. Let's get back to Michael, Wisconsin, real quick. Michael, we were talking about your 2002 Honda CRV with a mushy brake pedal. Yes. So, what I'd like him to do is, you know, find a set of plugs and plug the master. Take the lines out, plug the master, leave it in the car, bleed it, put it in the car, treat it standalone system, just the master by itself. Does he have a gushy pedal? Plain okay. and simple. That pedal should be that pedal should pop and be absolutely fine. All right. So once okay. we work our once once we work our way past the master, then at that point the only other thing I want him to consider is because of the mileage. And I've seen this for whatever reason. I can't give you a scientific reason, but it's one of the things in my bag of tricks. Is look at the push rod going into the booster from the brake pedal. 
I've, I've run into this a half a dozen times. I swear it's like I was listening to a customer at the counter. Four-wheel brake car, we put calipers on it, the pedal's kind of crummy. What happened? The push rod that you never, ever, 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 ever have to adjust, There's, you know, the linkage has some slop in it. It's not factory fresh anymore. You get under there, you, there's a 13 or a 15 nut, that a jam nut that holds it in place. Loosen that nut. Make sure you take out the slop of the push rod going into the booster. It doesn't take much. Just so, in other words, it's right on the booster. So when you step on the brake, you're getting instant response. You don't want to overdo it. You don't want to push it past because then you'll always have the brake applied. There is a there is a spec there for that. But try taking a look at the push rod adjustment after you verify the master, and that might help solve your problem for you. I'm here if you need me, Michael. I'm running in the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.